Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on a Monday, as we always do here on Mondays when the show comes out. Uh, I have my two good friends and co-hosts slash guests with me, Andy Mitz. I'm so honored to be called your friend, Philip. Thank you. You're welcome. It's the, it's the, it's the holidays, so I'm in very like warm and, and giving spirit. Um just don't I'm gonna it. I'm gonna hold on to it as long as it lasts. I'm sure once we get into college talk to college basketball season and Big Twelve season really gets going, you're not gonna like me very much because of my team anyway. We'll see. We'll talk about that. And of course, Jamie Steyer. Uh yes, hello. I've been called way better things than your friend. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, just just having a little fun because this weekend's been been pretty fun, my professional opinion. There's that chaotic energy we love. Okay. So let's just hop right in because I think we have a lot to get to. We've got football to talk about. We've got Texas to talk about. We've got basketball to talk about, men's and women's. Let's just let's just hop straight into the topic I'm, I'm most excited for. Iowa State uh, getting the big win over West Virginia and cementing themselves not only as a participant in the Big 12 title game, but locking up the essentially regular season title. I know we don't give out trophies like in basketball or we don't really count those. But Iowa State has the regular season title. No one's no one's catching up to them at this point. Um, even if they lost, tiebreakers be damned, they've got it. Um, full props to Iowa State. You've got an opportunity to win the Big Twelve. I don't. I. I'm sure if I dug around, I'd find the last time Iowa State even was in a position to challenge for a a, a conference title. I'm sure it's like back in the 30s or 1800s. I, I don't mean that bad. I just like that's. It's Iowa State in football. That feels about an accurate assumption. Um, but I want to say this. Iowa State deserves absolute full credit for where they are. Iowa State, Matt Campbell, Brock Purdy, this team deserves complete and total credit for the fact that they are sitting atop the Big 12 standings. They are going to Arlington. They're going to play for a Big 12 title game. They're going to go to a nice bowl game, get to face somebody prefer- probably pretty cool. Like, this historic and momentous season for Iowa State is their doing. Absolutely cannot take that away from them whatsoever. We could stop there. Shall I? Shall I? Okay, so let me just... We could. I have a policy... But we're not of, going to. ...of real life, two truths can coexist, right? Two things can both be true. Um, we like to, to focus on one or the other. We don't like that's that's how we have division. We don't like no 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 no. It's this or it's this. It's black or it's white. The world is many 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 shades and tones of gray, right? So, wow, Iowa State deserves absolute and total utter credit for this, complete and total. I mean I mean this. I am 
I am pumped for Iowa State. This is so cool. Like, I, I can't think of another fan base that I, I would be more happy for besides my own uh, as an Oklahoma State fan for this. I remember what it was like winning the Big 12 title. Like, it was super cool. It was a super fun time. And you guys drink up. But there is the point too, and I know Iowa State fans don't like hearing this because they feel like it it negates or acts like people are saying you don't deserve it. This is a down Big Twelve, but that's okay. Like I've seen the arguments on Twitter, I've seen the arguments amongst people complaining. Like it is a down year for the Big Twelve. Oh, you started poorly. Like things had to go your way for this to happen. However, you also had to have a team take advantage of the opportunity and the situation to get to this point. That's the same thing for every team every year. Every year, every team gets breaks. Okay, every sport, you get breaks. Luck is involved in winning a championship. It is. That, and luck is just when preparation meets timing. Luck luck is a dirty word. I people don't like the word luck. Luck is not a bad thing. Luck is... You were prepared for a situation, and when that situation and opportunity arose, you took advantage of it. We all like luck. We all need a little luck, and we all deserve a little luck. Iowa State wasn't lucky to get here. They got here on their own merit, but they did do it in a down year. And that's it. And those two things are true, and I'm pumped for Iowa State, and I don't mean that to poo-poo on anything. It's just that this is the kind of a debate I've seen this week, and I just think it's a little bit silly when either side gets overheated one way or the other. Although I do understand for Iowa State fans, like, you guys deserve credit. Like, this is awesome. Go drink yourself silly. Celebrate. Doesn't matter what happens in Arlington. The fact that you're here is chef's kiss. I think that the... So, first of all, to find Cyclone fans that refuse to acknowledge that it's a down Big 12 year, like, you've really got to dig deep and, like, find kind of the fringe crazy ones to really try... No, no, no. I'm getting to it really get to the people who will be like, no, like the big 12 is amazing. Everyone's a championship contender. Like that's not accurate. I think what rubs people the wrong way is that the implication feels like the only reason is because the big 12 is down. And that takes away from an incredibly accomplished team. It takes away from a team who has beaten good teams. It takes away from people who have worked extremely hard to get to this point that regardless of the other teams, they won and they beat teams that could have beat them in return. They've won some close games. They dropped two games to really good teams. But it just, I think that's where a lot of the really heatedness comes from, where you can acknowledge that the Big 12 is not as good while not saying that that is, the core reason why Iowa State is in the championship game and the reason they won the regular season outright. And I think that's what gets people so up in arms because yes, I will 100% acknowledge that that is a fact this year that the Big 12 is not as good as they have been in past years. But no, I will not say that that's the reason why Iowa State to the championship game because I think that No matter the competition, they're a heck of a team, and I think they would have had a chance no matter what happens, but you can't get into that, like, speculation game. Yeah, really, all this comes down to is the fact that Oklahoma already has two losses, and that's why everybody says the Big 12 is down, because how is this year any different than any other year? Oklahoma 
is going to the championship game like they do every year. And whoever the second, you know, the the quote unquote second place team in the Big 12, if you're assuming that Oklahoma is the first place team, like you basically have to just beat everybody else so that you can go and face Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship. And once someone finally beats Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship, then they'll be seen as a quote unquote true deserving Big 12 champion over Oklahoma. Like the only reason that people are talking about the Big 12 being down this year is because a whole bunch of people hyped up Texas way past where they're supposed to be, like they do every year. And Oklahoma already has two losses going into the Big 12 championship game. That's the only reason we're talking about the Big 12 being down. I mean, otherwise, this is just like every other year in the Big 12 where Oklahoma, it looks like the favorite to win the championship. And there's another very strong team that is going to be their challenger. And until someone actually overthrows Oklahoma, you know, it's basically Oklahoma's conference. So because people think less of Oklahoma this year, they think less of the entire Big 12. But it's it's not any different than it is any other year. Yeah. No, look, I- like OU's, it's weird. Like OU's doing really well now, so people are giving OU a ton of credit. But Iowa State's winning, and they're not giving them any credit. And they, I will be very interested to see nationally as I listen to podcasts, I watch whatever little bit of ESPN I do because I, I don't want to. Um, how much people actually talk about Iowa State and how they talk about them. If you guys are getting all your national sports coverage from ESPN, you're doing it wrong. You should be listening to smart ESPN or to smart sports podcasts. They do a much better job of actually caring. ESPN does not. They're too big. They don't do a good job. They are. They have certain talking points they have to hit. Like, you should be listening to smart sports podcasts over watching ESPN. You would probably feel better because I think I feel like I've I've had more people talk more positively about Iowa State there than they do on ESPN. And I sit here and shit on ESPN. It is what it is. Like, just understand it's a business. And most podcasts are more like, yeah, we're a business, but also we're not held to certain contracts that we hold with um, specific conferences and lottie. Well, not only that, Philip, but but even ESPN podcasts are better than ES than watching ESPN. Like the coverage that you get in podcast format, because it's it's all audio and people actually have to go out on opinions and you know, and you're getting the personality of the individual podcast hosts you're actually kind of seeing what people really think instead of the overproduced, overdeveloped, you know, ESPN, quote unquote, safe takes that everybody wants to talk about. And, you know, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's, it's one of those things like you, you definitely want to find, you know, as many uh, college football or, or just college sports in general podcasts you can find because they all bring something different. You can find some that that are going to challenge your own preconceptions about how the college football or the college basketball world works. Um, but there's a lot of smart people out there that have voices that aren't on ESPN cable television all the time. Agreed. I like to think that the three of us are. I don't want to be too uh, presumptuous and, and assume like we're not that smart. They're far smarter than people. Like I listen to some smart podcasts and I'm like, oh, God, I feel like an idiot when I do this. But it's OK. Like we'll do our best. Um, so, again, let me just say props to Iowa State. Huge. Love it. Very excited uh, to see them in a couple of weeks in Arlington. I know they don't have a game this coming weekend, though we do have some Big 12 games. Um, let's hop over to another big topic. Uh, coming out tonight, a report from Horns 24, I say tonight, Sunday night, from Horns 24-7, uh, written by Chip Brown, stating that, uh, quote, it appears uh, that, that Urban Meyer has indicated to the University of Texas that he's leaning toward not coaching again due to health reasons. Uh, Horns 24-7 reported Sunday that if Texas couldn't land Urban Meyer, there's a chance Tom Herman will remain as the coach of the Texas Longhorns. This has really felt like how it was going to be. Like, I just never bought that Urban Meyer was going to come to Austin, and, and it made too much sense that 
Tom Herman would be back around. Guys, it's it's a $25 million buyout. And I don't remember if that, I think that's just him that doesn't include all of his assistance buyouts. It's one thing. You can get the money for that for Urban Meyer, right? You get, you're like, look, it's Urban Meyer's coming. All right, we'll, we'll figure it out. But if it's not, if it's not Urban Meyer, you're not paying that. I don't, I don't care if it's Texas. I don't care how much money they have. You, you can't pay that kind of money to make somebody go away in a year like this. Like seriously though, like twenty five million. You're not paying somebody twenty five million here. I just I don't buy it. I don't. But I don't. That doesn't make any sense. Look, look, look. You will pay that money for Urban Meyer to come, right? I'm not paying that money for Mario Cristobal or James Franklin or Matt Campbell. And I don't mean it as a shot at any of those coaches, including Matt Campbell, because we see Matt Campbell's name, and we'll talk about that a little bit because I know Jamie's amped up too. Those are all good coaches, but they're not Urban Meyer. Like, it, you will pay out the nose to get Urban Meyer. You're not paying for those No, guys but you're also forgetting one thing, Philip. You're forgetting the one thing that none of those coaches do have, which is a loss to Kansas. Because, yes, I'm back on that train again. <laughs> Kansas is going to beat Texas this week, and then all everything's going to change, and they just want to get rid of Tom Herman. Can we stay on topic? Can we stay on topic? Well, I had a point to make. Um, <laughs> well, it goes back to our conversation about why it's so difficult to be the AD at Texas, because sure, Texas could scrounge up money for a buyout. But again, these people want big names. They want huge success right away. So, I mean, can you say for sure you're getting the money for a buyout and for a new contract for a, in their eyes, lesser when in reality, I mean, it's just a smaller name. There's really, I mean, it could be just as good of a coach, frankly. Urban Meyer hasn't been coaching for a couple years. But anyway, it's it just comes down to it. It's all about the name recognition. It's all about how much of a task it's going to be to get this money and find a new coach versus selling Tom Herman to the boosters for another year and saying, hey, just stick it out. We're going to get it right. One of these days, you know, we will. We will. We really will. And I think selling, it's easier right now. Yeah, this this comes back to what we talked about, well, honestly, for the last like three weeks, is that <laughs> Texas is afraid to take the swing that they need to to try to elevate their program to the level that they want it to be at. They're afraid of falling flat on their face by going and hiring someone who is not a name guy um, and you know turning the program over to him and allowing him to build something that could potentially take that next step forward. They just won't do it, which means that, yeah, right, I like, Honestly, even even if they were to lose to Kansas this week, which, you know, I, I, I think I or everybody agrees that that is not very likely that they actually do that. But even if they did, like, you're right in this environment, it's really hard to get rid of a guy like Tom Herman and immediately have someone who is who is willing to step into that type of situation at this point now with the unrealistic expectations that they have at this point, you know, especially since they've got to have a guy that is a quote unquote cultural fit. And I just don't see where they're going to get that from with the kind of money that they're going to have to spend. And like, you might be able to, you know, if, if they were to lose to KU this week, you could probably find enough money to go ahead and actually get them, you know, like to go ahead and get the buyout. But you're not going to then also have enough money to find a guy that you want that is a shoe in a, you know, that is definitely going to want to step in and is going to get the excitement that you need and do all that stuff. You don't want to run into the same situation as when you fired Charlie Strong, when you fired him just because you had to. And then you went and found 
the guy that was supposed to be the up-and-comer, there really isn't anybody that's out there right now that's in the same situation that Tom Herman was coming out of Houston, where you can get him for a decent price, and he has the kind of success over multiple years that makes you think that he can take Texas to where they want to go. The thing with Tom Herman, like, we all like to poo-poo it now, and look, I don't personally care for him, but like, he was the right hire when they hired him. Like, that was the guy they were going to get, okay? And... I've heard really, I don't want to go down the conversation of like, we really got to stop talking about these like can't miss hires because there's a lot of can't miss hires who have missed the last few uh, go arounds. Tom Herman hasn't lived up to the expectations Texas has for itself, but he hasn't been that bad. Like he hasn't, he really hasn't. I, I understand. But the bigger thing for Texas now is you have screwed this situation up royally. Look, if you think that Chris Del Conte is the one leaking information out to the to the news to let oh, Urban Meyer, oh this, oh this, oh, this, no, it's the boosters who are trying to play the game and get things to go the way they want to go, and now it's not going to go the way they're going to go, and now how stupid does the Texas look? Okay, so now you will be publicly rejected by Urban Meyer. Everyone's going to know Urban Meyer turned you down, right? So now you're going to have to keep Tom Herman because. You, you, you can't afford to get rid of him. So now it's like, oh, no, we're so excited. To have, you're you're going to have to come out and be like, no, we're super happy to have Tom Herman back here. And, no, you're not. You tried to replace him. You literally tried to replace him with his old boss. And you're going to come back around and tell everybody, no, it, we love Tom Herman. No, you don't. And I don't buy the, you know, you got to extend a coach or, or recruits that he's going to get used against them in recruiting because you haven't extended a coach for their five seasons and given him a pay boost. C- recruits aren't going to come. But in this situation, recruiting is already dipping for Texas for this year because of everything that's going on. Now what do you think is going to happen? Well, now Tom Herman's here, and now it's not even about – now it's just now it's just a, a ticking time bomb. When do you let go? Is it next year? Next year we can afford him? I don't know what the buyout is next year. Oh, you know what? We recouped a lot of the money you know, because COVID wrecked everything, so now we can get rid of him, and we're, we've got the right guy. We know we do. What do you do if you're Texas? Like props to Tom Herman. They went to Manhattan and just – blasted Kansas State. I don't know where that's been all season. Like, they should have done that a couple of times. But it's, it's like, Texas has screwed this entire situation up. They have no one to blame for themselves. They look ridiculous in all of this. And I'm just like, I don't, like, this couldn't have possibly gone worse for them because now they have to keep the guy they don't want. They're not going to get the guy they do want. And they look ridiculous through the whole entire process. Like, I, it's crazy to me. Like, it, for, for, the program that Texas is supposed to be in is, let's, let's just be honest, is, for the money they have, for all of this stuff, to be in this spot is, really feels like a low point. And I don't care, and they're not that bad on the field. Like, they're not great by any stretch of the imagination, but they're not that bad. But they look pretty bad right now. Well, I think they're going to set such high expectations for themselves, and they are setting such high expectations for themselves, that it literally only hurts them at this point to continue down this road. Like they have hurt themselves by expecting way too much all the time. It's exactly what you were just mentioning with, you know, what do recruits think when they look at that? Okay. It's absolute chaos. It's extremely high expectations. You're expected to go out there and be a godsend every time you hit the field. I mean, I don't know. I don't look at, like, interactions between fans and players. But if I were to guess, there's probably some ugly ones out there. And then you go in and you've got a coach that is in a terrible position because 
Do I have a lot of sympathy for Tom Herman after some of the things he said about the city of Ames? No. But do I do I understand that being a head coach is not the enviable job that people think it is? It is an extremely high stress situation to be in. And now you know you're not wanted. Now you know every move you make is basically fighting for your job. And guess what? You get to do that for probably a whole nother year. Does that make things easier to coach? Oh my God, no, it makes things so much harder because you're second guessing every move you're making. You're second guessing every offer you're throwing out there. You're second guessing every game plan you put together. So all of these great high expectations because, oh, we're Kansas. We're supposed to be world beaters. We're supposed to be the best of the best all the time. We have all this money and that's going to buy us success. It's literally just hurting you. And that's, that's just a fact. Just, I'm just going to note, you said Kansas, not Texas. Um mm. Texas, you know. I was thinking about who was going to win. Jamie, would you like to share that quote that he is? I've seen it. It's funny. Would you like to share that quote that Tom Herman had about uh, Ames, Iowa? Please do, because I have not seen this yet. Uh, gosh, I don't even know the word for word, but it's something about, uh, have you been to Ames, Iowa? It's basically like Siberia. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it. That's about it. Oh, gosh. Uh, to my point on Texas, Urban hasn't... Or, ugh. Tom Herman hasn't been that bad. And he hasn't. Record-wise, like, it, it's about on par with Texas history. I understand the expectations that were set by Mac Brown during a decade where they were super successful. But that's not the reality. But I also understand Texas has – they have more money than God. Right. They should be more successful. That's the problem, Philip, though, is because if you look at it objectively, they haven't been that bad. But if you look at it from a from the burnt orange tinted glasses, he has been <laughs> way below expectations. Well, and that's the he, problem is that their expectations are way too high for where they are right now. And they put so much pressure on the coach that's there that he doesn't have an opportunity to get them back to where they want because they don't give him the time to do it. I would argue that we make this joke a lot with the amount of money that Texas has, the amount of resources that Texas has, and the fact that you are in the state of Texas and the flagship school that recruits just want to go play for they should be better than they are they should be a school on par with the best of the best like they should if they're like let's be honest like when you have that kind of money you should be more successful uh, an interesting note and shout out to a david hale joint uh, on on twitter for pointing this out uh texas the problem for texas is is close games and not just losing close game it's, it's how many close games they have had texas has 27 one possession games under herman it's uh, more than 50% of the number of games he's played. More than half of their games have been decided by one possession. They're 14 and 13 in those games, and the only school in FBS with more one-possession games is Eastern Michigan. So he goes on, the top 10 win-loss teams in the Power 5 in that span average 22% of their games finishing within a score. 22%. Texas is over 50 in one possession games. It's it's the fact that when Texas was rolling, they curb stomped everybody who wasn't at least close to their level. And they just don't they just don't do that. And that's been the thing. Like they just and that's been Tom Herman since he got there. They play up and down to competition all the time. And I think that's more commentary on on Herman. Um, I don't think that's something they can fix. I don't think they're going to I don't think Tom Herman's gonna turn it around. And, and you're definitely not going to after everything that's happened here. Like, look, could they come out next year and win the Big 12 because the assist, this, the new a, a defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator have had time to gel and the new coaching staff is working and things are going well and he's finally handed things over to other people to do things well? 
Possibly. Do I need to see it to believe it? Yeah. And I, and I still might not. So, look, Texas has bungled this entire thing. Now they've got a, a, a lame duck coaching for who knows how long. And we'll just see what happens. Because to the Matt Campbell stuff, and I know, Jamie, you and I have talked about this a little bit. This is not a shot at Matt Campbell, but you're not paying $25 million to fire Tom Herman and hire Matt Campbell. I like Matt Campbell a lot. Matt Campbell's done really good things at Iowa State, obviously. But there's a difference between Urban Meyer. There's a large gap between Urban Meyer and Matt Campbell. That's like saying, I was brain dead. Essentially, name your top of, <laughs> of college football wins national championships coach and then Matt Campbell. That doesn't mean Matt Campbell can't be that, but he's not thus far. And there's no reason to think he will be thus far. But again, not a shot at Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell is awesome. The other thing on the Matt Campbell stuff, because people kept bringing up Matt Campbell all week, all week, all week after Iowa State beat Texas, which is the most just like, of course they are. Of course that's the talking point they're going to roll with. I was talking with Andrew Daddy of the High Motor Pod, and my problem was name a situation similar in coaching where a a coach would go and change jobs within his conference and have to play the opponent every year. This isn't just changing in conference. This has happened before. We just, I mean, look, uh, Mullen went from Mississippi State to Florida, right? Um, Sarkeesian went from Washington to USC. It was in conference. I'm sure there's other examples over the decades of coaches changing jobs within their conference. The problem with those is, and I couldn't find one that worked and fit this, is leaving the job you have for another job where you have to play that school every year. Florida and Mississippi State don't play every year. They barely play. USC and Washington like every six years, right? (laughs) USC and Washington don't play every year. They're in different divisions as well. Like it's not a perfect example. And I don't think the way Matt Campbell talks about Iowa state and acts about Iowa state, I can't really see him. And I get it. Money speaks money, money screams folks. The idea of him leaving Iowa state to go to Texas to then coach against Iowa state every single year doesn't fit with Matt Campbell. Now, again, I don't like to buy into that kind of talk, of, of talk, which I'm literally doing right now too much because, again, when he speaks, this is a business more than more than anything else. But I can't find an example of anything like that happening, and I just don't see somebody doing it. I would not want to have to go and face the school I built up every year. That would be to, Coaches avoid facing their former head coaches or guys who they've let go off to the job. Like coaches avoid that stuff as much as they can, except for Saban assistants because they all want to beat Saban and none of them would do it. But typically speaking, most guys don't want to coach against their friends and their former like coworkers. I can't see Matt Campbell trying to be like, yeah, I want to go to Texas and beat Iowa State every year. That just doesn't fit with, with Campbell. Well, and I mean, there's, there's multiple layers of issues with even the concept of Campbell going to Texas because Number one, we already had the whole discussion about the whole thing with Texas is they want the big name, they want the big guy, and I don't think Matt Campbell's going to be the sell for them. I don't think that the five-star culture over five-star recruits slogan is going to play real well with Texas. You know, they want the five-star recruits. You can have a toxic culture if you're winning, frankly. You know, I mean, not saying that that's their ideal situation, but... I don't think they'd care that much, honestly. If they're winning, whatever. So, I mean, you've got that issue just off the bat. that I don't think the boosters are going to be sold on him. And then you've got that, yeah, I mean, like you said, money's money. But Campbell's going to have a lot of offers in the next couple years. <coughs> he keeps... <coughs> 
I don't want to hear any more out of you. Uh, <laughs> it's true, but yeah, it, you don't want to hear it. I don't need to hear it anymore. I've heard plenty. But if he keeps coaching at the level he's coaching, he's going to have plenty of offers. So why go to Texas to a place you're not a cultural fit, to a place that just makes coaches miserable unless you walk on campus and you are winning every game the first, like, season of your career. Why even put yourself through that if you have any other options unless they're doubling up everyone else's offer? It's just a lot to deal with, and I don't think it's worth it. You know what I think Texas fans and AD and boosters and all could use right now? A nice cup of coffee. A really nice hot cup of lazy fair coffee. Ethically sourced beans from around the world roasted right in the heart of the Big 12 country and a proud sponsor of the 1012 podcast uh, this fall. Look, we, we love this stuff. It is really good. Like I've mentioned, I just bought some bags to give away as gifts, and I would suggest you do the same. Use promo code 1012, get 10% off any of their bags of beans, the dry rub, the body scrub, Everything they have is fantastic, and we can all vouch for at least something on their uh, nice menu. Five great bags, five great flavors. You're going to find something for every coffee lover on your Christmas shopping list. So go to LazyFairCoffee.com, L-A-Z-Y-F-A-I-R Coffee. Promo code 1012, get 10% off your order. If you live in the DFW area where this stuff is roasted, uh, you can get free shipping. And uh, don't forget... I have no to forget. I just lost my train of thought. It's You need some coffee, Philip. <laughs> I do need some coffee. It's been a long weekend. Let me just say, it's been a very long weekend. Okay. Uh, 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 yeah. Uh, happy holidays. <laughs> uh, oh, I know what it was. This is, Go follow on Instagram. This is a commercial for why you need their coffee. <laughs> oh my God. I do need I can't have a cup of coffee at 8.30 on a Sunday night. I have to sleep on the couch tonight again. So... I'm not in trouble. It's literally so that my wife can also sleep because the baby's taking up like half the bed, so I'm on the, I'm on the couch, okay? Like I said, I'm tired. <laughs> my brain is going to push. Um, I'm going to have a little fun here, and I'm really sorry. Andy, uh, we tweeted from the 10 to 12 podcast. It's our tweet. It's been pinned for a while. Um, once uh, Kansas lost to Coastal Carolina and asked the very simple question of who is it worse to lose to, Coastal Carolina or Kansas? Uh, Kansas gets roughly 75% of the vote. Uh, 25% of you uh, were wrong. And it is actually worse to lose to Kansas than to, uh, well, we said Sunbelt team. Sunbelt team. But in this case, right, right. Coastal. When you say lose to a Sunbelt team, you could lose to Coastal, you could lose to Louisiana, you could lose to, I don't know, Arkansas State. All three of those teams actually are, are fairly decent Sunbelt teams, and the Sunbelt is not a slouch this year. So it's not... Would you, would you pick – which Sunbelt teams would you pick Kansas to beat this year? Let me read through the list for you. There's Coastal, Appalachian State, Georgia Southern, Georgia nope. State, Troy, nope. Louisiana, nope. South Alabama, Texas State, Arkansas State, and Louisiana Monroe. Maybe Texas State, maybe South Alabama, maybe. <laughs> Texas State probably, but that's probably the only one that I would be 100% confident. That they Louisiana Monroe is 0-7, so you might have a shot there. Arkansas okay, State okay. Them is – well. uh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, and 10. Sorry. Over 10 overall. So, yeah, that uh, you might have it. They're pretty bad. I bet I bet Kansas can be. That would be worse. Maybe if you got them at home. Yeah. Look, I, I do feel I don't know who I feel worse for Kansas for almost beating Texas Tech or Texas Tech for barely beating Kansas on Saturday. Um, that was 
Not a fun game to watch. Uh, I was not playing that was a eyeballs. That was a lot more nerve-wracking of a game than I was expecting it to be. Because to be honest, I thought they were going to lose by four touchdowns. And the fact that they had an opportunity to drive and win that game at the end and they couldn't pull it off just made it worse. I was going to say, between almost like feeling like maybe you could have snatched a football victory and then men's basketball almost losing, I was going to be a little worried about you there, Andy. Well, let me put it this way, though. What makes it worse, the fact that they almost won, is one, that they didn't get the win. And then now it actually gives me hope that this team isn't a complete lost cause. And so now I am back on the Kansas going to beat Texas this week train you would have been only so, so that I can be super off. disappointed. So, oh, Andy. I mean, I'm, fair, I'm fully aware that I'm going to be extremely disappointed, but I have opened myself up to that hurt again. And, uh, you know, I, I can't I can't not or I can't convince myself that it's not going to happen with 100 percent certainty. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, like, you have no one to blame for yourself, but yourself, um, when Texas beats Kansas. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, I don't want to spend any more time on that game. No offense to Kansas. Okay. Okay. But, Some but, offense to Texas but, Tech. But, 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 wait, 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 wait. If they only win, if they only win by a score, I will consider that to be a victory. Oh, that's a, a very loose definition of victory. <laughs> that's not If they only win by a touchdown, then I'm going to be very happy with that result. I, oh, yes, so we're, we're going for moral victory. victories. Moral victories are well, hey, you know what? Oh when nine. you are Kansas football, you will take what you can get. <laughs> we should start a moral victory tally for Kansas football. Maybe they'll get one of those. I need to put you, that on a, a certain shirt. point. When you're Kansas football, you will take what you can get. <laughs> no, no offense, but they're stop. I think even the moral victory stopped for Kansas a long time ago. Like it, it's no. I do want to talk about Oklahoma-Baylor real quick. Look, Oklahoma beating Baylor 27-14. Much closer game than anyone expected. Didn't get close to the over there, and Oklahoma certainly didn't cover. But I will note this. I don't come away from that game concerned. Oklahoma had a number of coaches who were dealing with COVID all week, obviously. Uh, I'm sure they had some player issues as well. Oklahoma got the win. Like, that's very much one of those games where you're like, should we be worried about Oklahoma? And I would go, no, you got the win and you move on and accept that it was a weird week and a COVID season. And they're going to be just fine. Like, I don't, I don't. That's the very definition of a COVID game. Yeah. That's like, you you got to win your clunkers. You got to win your clunkers. That's the, well, you could tell early in the game. Well, yeah, but you could tell early in the game that they were, you know, one of my favorite words, discombobulated. <laughs> With everything that was going on COVID-wise, they were just having a really hard time figuring out what exactly it was that they wanted to do. And when you have a whole bunch of guys that aren't starters having to start the game because of COVID stuff, like they had a bunch of guys that, honestly, I'd never heard of before that were playing in that game. And so, you know, it's one of those things like, if you're missing a ton of people because of COVID, either not able to play at all or not able to practice in the two weeks, because remember, they had to you know postpone their game against West Virginia. So they've been dealing with these issues for a while. And for quite a while, we weren't even sure this game was going to happen because they were still dealing with COVID issues. They were still trying to get to the point where they had enough on their roster to actually play. And so... Like, I was not surprised they came out flat. Was I surprised that it lasted as long as it was? Um, yeah, a little bit. But that's because I think Baylor is a little bit more feisty than we expected them to be. Um, but that tells me more about the fight that Baylor has in them than actual worry about how good o- or, you know, wondering if Oklahoma is running into problems now that aren't related to the virus. I've said on the show, Baylor's not as bad as their record. And I'll say it now, Baylor will beat Oklahoma State on Saturday. And I'm not happy about it, but it is what it is. Um, 
Of note for the Sooners, of course, uh, Shane Beamer, tight end coach, associate head coach, now going to be the head coach at South Carolina. Um, look, he was one of their he was one of their best uh, recruiters on a team uh, coaching staff loaded with quality recruiters. I'm sure that Oklahoma have no problem in replacing them. However, of course, you're going to want to keep track of that because we'll see how many other Sooner coaches uh, leave to go with Beamer to South Carolina. Also, seen some rumblings that uh, uh, Kale Gundy. I think is the right one who might be up for potentially the offensive coordinator job for Kentucky. I would, I would keep an eye on him. Of course, that is Mike Gundy's uh, brother. Yeah. They've made the Thanksgiving jokes. We've, we've heard them all. I'm, I'm aware of them. Um, <laughs> TCU Oklahoma state, this game deserves its own podcast um, as big of a, what, what the hell um, I will spend more time on the, Cowboys right from free show talking about OSU because I, I can't get into it today. I can't get into the idea that you had a defense force five turnovers and give you six points and you lost uh, 29-22 to TCU, Oklahoma State. Um, according to S&P Plus rankings, this is the second worst offense of the Mike Gundy era, only behind his first season back in 2005. Uh, the defense would tie for a second best, according to those rankings, at number 22 overall. would be uh, tied with 2009, I think, uh, behind 2013, which was the best one ever. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know what to say for, for Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy, other than you, you, your defense did its job you gave you gave you the ball four times it scored on a turnover uh your offense took those four turnovers turned them into three points and uh what was it oh like very few yards let's just call it very few yards oh nine yards yeah nine yards and three points with four turnovers so uh, a couple of those being on tcu's like inside, inside the 30 so the point for oklahoma state is they're not going to be Baylor next week, and they will limp into bowl season. And we'll be I'll be curious to see if Tylen Wallace, who got banged up in that game, comes back again. If Chuba Hubbard, who we haven't seen for a while, comes back again, or if again OSU is just going to limp to the end of the season in a year where we had really high expectations for the Cowboys. Um, anybody with any? Th- oh, one, one. I do. I think I might owe Gary Patterson a little bit of an apology after one and three start. TCU's now has gone four and one. Is now five and four. Uh, with a game against Louisiana Tech that they have scheduled, um, could, so they could potentially get a win there, get to six and four, and guarantee a winning season this year. Now it's not a like, woo-hoo, but in a year like this, turn around like that. Props to TCU and Gary Patterson. Still think they need to make changes to the coaching staff, but whatever. Um, any other thoughts on this game? No, not really. This one was a weird one. Yeah, that's about all I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There, there's. I don't. I don't have a lot of sense to bring to whatever that was. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I would say to both West Virginia and to Kansas State, who both got <clears throat> slobber knockered on Saturday. West Virginia losing to State, of course, forty-two to six, and of course Kansas State losing to Texas thirty-one, uh, sixty-nine to thirty-one. These are two programs going through rebuilds with new head coaches. I know that Kansas State had a really great year one with Kleiman. Uh, we said that they overachieved, and now it looks like Kansas State is absolutely limping to the end of the year. If they get a bowl invite, I don't know if they will. And, and frankly, if I was Kansas State, I don't, I don't know if I would take one. I'm not sure that would be the best thing. Um, but whatever. You know if they will, though, just for the extra practice time. Yeah, West Virginia. Uh, 
same thing. Like, look, for both situations, like I think these are, it's really hard to go through the rebuild. Like you want to fast forward to it. And for Kansas State, it felt like there wasn't going to be a drop-off. I thought there would be this year, not for the reasons that we have had, but it felt like this was a year where you'd have a drop-off. For Kansas State, it's disappointing because you beat Oklahoma and started 4-1, and one and, and and now you're 4-6, and six, which is disappointing. For West Virginia, it was a really good defense. It's just a defense that hadn't faced Oklahoma or Iowa State yet. So it might have been built a little bit on straw, but it's still a good defense. Like, it's not a bad defense. But your offense, it's kind of like Oklahoma State. Good defense, not not good offense. And if your offense isn't good, your defense is only going to be able to do so much unless you're just loaded with blue chips. So to West Virginia and Kansas State, fear not, my friends. There is light at the end of this tunnel. I absolutely believe with both Neil Brown uh, and Chris Kleiman, I think these t- programs are heading in the right direction. You just had a really, really rough Saturday uh, and two seasons that you would like to be better, but you still got some some ways to go, but the the good signs are there for the future of both programs. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think that that, that shellacking that West Virginia took said a whole lot more about Iowa State than it did about West Virginia. Mm-hmm. West Virginia is very good, but Iowa State's offense is finally doing what we expected them to do all year long, and they finally look like you know that dominant offense that they could that they had the potential to be and West Virginia was just the unfortunate team that had to deal with it so you know the unexpected week off um you know trying to prepare for Oklahoma and having to pivot to go to Iowa State um you know and then still having to worry about Oklahoma coming up next week for West Virginia like they they had a a very rough ending to the season anyway coming up and it's about time that they they took a step back just because you know that's where they are as the program but it's it doesn't seem anything bad about what they've done this year, the fact that they're, you know, they got demolished by Iowa State and they're probably going to get demolished by Oklahoma next week. But, you know, you can't feel bad about that for them. Yeah, I mean, they're they're obviously a good defense. Like, they've, they've shown evidence that they are. But like mm-hmm. you said, they hadn't faced Iowa State yet. They haven't faced Oklahoma yet. We'll kind of see where people are thinking. But um, it's just one of those things where, you know, you just can't get too high on yourself. You can't get too low on yourself. And they're they're still really not performing that poorly, all things considered. No. Again, if your your offense is going three and out a lot, like you're gonna put way too much pressure on your defense. And that's just it is what it is. Uh, if I was West Virginia, by the way, um UCF quarterback McKenzie Milton is entering the transfer portal, will be a grad transfer available for one season. I understand Daggy and blah 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 blah. If I was Neil Brown in West Virginia, I would go hard after McKenzie Milton. And I know lots of schools are going to, but that would be Throw your hat the in the ring. Uh, I mean, you should. They should. They should. West Virginia absolutely should. This is a team that has a good defense. They don't have a good offense. If you were to have him under center next year and could return a decent defense, like it's not like West Virginia doesn't have offensive weapons. Okay. Lady Brown is quite good. There's some nice wide receivers. If you had a good quarterback, they don't get blown out like that by Iowa State. Iowa State still wins that game, but it's not that bad, right? And I think West Virginia, there's a couple other games that West Virginia probably would have won had they had a competent quarterback. And I man, I just don't like Daggy. I'm sorry. I don't care. He's fine. He's nice, but he's not very good. They should go after McKenzie Milton hard. Like, this is all, I don't have any reason to think that he'll go there, but you at least throw your hat in the ring. Like, you should. Absolutely. Um, speaking of throwing uh, something in the ring, no, that's a terrible transition. I Screw it. Very excited this uh, football season to be partnering with Home Field Apparel. Again, I'm sleeping on the couch, guys. Give me give me a break. Home Field Apparel. <laughs> awesome. 
comfortable vintage college sports apparel with more than 100 schools available and tons of designs for every single one. And these are well-researched, awesome vintage logos and designs. If you're a big vintage school logo geek like myself and Andy and Jamie here, I know we all are, and you haven't been to Homefield yet, what are you doing? Go check out all their stuff, including for Iowa State and Baylor, the two Big 12 schools that they have. And I will note, if you want your delivery for Christmas, okay, whether this is for you, you're going to stuff your own stocking, uh, or whether, that was inappropriate, or if, uh, if this is for friends or family, you need to get your order in by December 10th. The episode goes up on the 7th, okay? That, that's a Monday. So the 10th is Thursday, okay? By the time our picks episode comes out, that's the last day, by the, by the 10th, by the 10th. So go to homefieldapparel.com. You pick out some stuff. Super comfortable sweaters, hoodies, joggers, awesome t-shirts, everything's comfortable. Pick a few things out, throw them in the cart. If it's your first purchase, perfect. Use the promo code 1012, get 20% off your first purchase by December 10th. So you get it in time for Christmas because this is the gift that keeps on giving. Okay. I've already bought my father-in-law a slippery rock shirt. He's going to love it. I know he is. So Homefield Apparel, <laughs> promo code 1012, 20% off your first order. Be rocking some awesome, comfortable, vintage college sports apparel this holiday season. Okay. So this show used to be really good about staying uh, within a 30-minute range, and uh, we've kind of failed on that. However, I do have one caveat. I like to keep this show uh, below an hour. So if we start the clock now, we've got about 10 minutes left uh, of time available to us. So let's talk some men's and women's basketball. Uh, we were all robbed. 2020 continues to strike again. Baylor and Gonzaga canceled or postponed. We don't know which it is at this point. They're going to try and figure out how to have that monster matchup that we did not get this weekend. Uh, I was very much looking forward to it, as was the rest of college football fandom. So we didn't get that, which is really sucks. Uh, Iowa State's men's game uh, on Sunday night also canceled against DePaul. That was part of the Big East Big 12 Challenge, uh, of which I believe the conference is currently... The Oklahoma State beat Marquette. Texas lost a very close game to Villanova. It was a really good game. Uh, and... Who beat West Virginia beat Georgetown. So I think it's two and one thus far. Uh, there was only going to be eight games as it was. And now uh, Iowa State DePaul is canceled. Uh, Texas Tech, St. John's was canceled. Kansas State's one is postponed. I think we're down like six games in this matchup, maybe five. I don't know. Really interesting series. I love this stuff. Um, Andy, Kansas, I give you a couple minutes. What would you like to say about your Jayhawks? Oh man, it's been a an interesting beginning of the season. Um, you know, they are now four and one after surviving against North Dakota State. Um, actually having to come behind from behind late in that game. But going over the tape as much of it as I was able to watch, um, you know, it really seems like Kansas didn't do themselves any favors by playing five games in nine days. Um, you know, including games against both Gonzaga and Kentucky that were really, really tough and very physical games. So um I still have no idea why they scheduled the Washburn game. Uh, you know in between the North Dakota State game and that Kentucky game, because it just added a game that counted for them, but didn't count for the Ichabods for whatever reason. Uh, like no, normally they would play that game as an exhibition, but for some reason they decided to go ahead and play it in the regular season this year. Because hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, just pause. Um, so that was really... Did you say the Ichabods? Yes, they are the Washburn Ichabods. Oh my. I've got a pitch for home field. Well, I'm going to go check. And I, I know, I know. 
<laughs> no, oh it's wa- they have Wabash, yeah, no. not Washburn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that one is going to be lots of fun um, when they finally get there. But um, now, now that we've completely derailed uh, that, that conversation there. But, you know, Kansas, Kansas is looking like they are going to be a tough team this year, but definitely have some issues because they literally have no inside presence. Uh, their best lineup by far is when they play with five guards or, you know, guards and, sm- and small forwards. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they match up against teams like West Virginia and Texas and other teams that have huge guys down low that are really, really good. So we will see how all that fun works out this year. I think really all it serves to do is make the, the Big 12 Conference that much more interesting. Uh, first conference game was actually on Sunday between Oklahoma and TCU. The Sooners getting the win. Over the TCU Horn Frogs, Oklahoma now two and zero on the season. They had a couple of games uh, canceled, slashed, postponed. Uh, so they had UTSA, and then of course TCU. TCU now four and one. Look, I don't mean this bad. TCU doesn't typically schedule all that challenging at non-conference, so I don't know how much to take away from TCU starting four and zero against uh, Houston Baptist Tulsa, which is usually a good team. Tulsa, that's a, that's a typically nice win. Uh, Liberty and Northwestern State. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, the only other undefeated teams left in conference play, or left thus far, Oklahoma State at 4-0 after their road win at Marquette and a win over Oakland on Saturday. And, of course, Baylor 3-0, and we did not get Baylor-Gonzaga. Texas is good. Baylor is good. West Virginia is good. Kansas is good. Texas Tech. It's good. Yeah, they're good. No, no, they are. They they're are good. good. <laughs> they're good. No, I, I, they are. They're solid. They're four and one. Lost to Houston is nothing to be ashamed of whatsoever. Um, yeah, that's kind of where things stand. A couple of games to keep an eye on this week. Kansas again. Man, we talk about Kansas a lot. Uh, they will welcome Creighton to Lawrence on Tuesday afternoon at four o'clock. Oh, that is a beautiful thing. Part of the Big Twelve yep. Big East battle. Four o'clock games? I'm going to be really unproductive that last hour of work. Uh, Big 12 Big East battles, of course, continue with uh, Oklahoma Xavier and TCU Providence on Wednesday. I love that series. Uh, And, of course, we'll get some games on uh, on the weekend, too. Ooh, Jamie. It's Iowa State-Iowa on Friday night. It sure is. Well, Iowa State's actually trying to schedule a Tuesday game as well, so we'll see what happens. Um, Oh, yeah. That's that's uh that's what the sources are telling me. And by sources I mean like all the reporters. This isn't inside information, I'm sorry. Uh which if they're gonna have a Tuesday game, by the time this comes out, we'll probably know. But yeah, Friday's gonna be they're gonna need a game before that, probably, if they can. Uh ideally. But gosh, I was I was really good. Usually I'd be there a hundred percent. Uh, my fiance and I go to like all the Cyhawk games and stuff like that. Obviously, uh, not really an option this year, but absolutely. It'll uh, be wild. Jamie, uh, I-, I wanted to give us more time for this, but we'll try to do a better job next week. And we will definitely once football is over. Uh, would you mind offering us a few minutes of an update on the state of big 12 women's basketball? I know Baylor just I lost would... to Arkansas. Yes. So, um, Real quick, if you haven't heard the story, like look up Baylor women's basketball, read about Dee Dee Richards. Um, she, due to a collision, just really like fast, had a collision in practice preseason, ended up partially paralyzed. 
uh, had to rehab, was walking with a walker up until like a couple weeks ago. And one day she said things just clicked and she started walking. She started running. She got cleared for practice and she went back to playing. Like it is absolutely obscene. Like the way that things came back and she just said it had never occurred to me that I wouldn't play this season. I just always figured I'd figure it out. So really wild. Um, I mean, just incredible tenacity there. Um, for her to be already back playing, but yeah, her Baylor Bears uh, dropping an early season loss to Arkansas. I mean, a good Arkansas team. Don't get me wrong, but Baylor maybe looking like not the terrifying Baylor of the past couple. Well, I mean, not terrifying to Iowa State, who beat them to close the season last year, but generally pretty terrifying. Baylor team who's already had another close game last week and then just dropped one to Arkansas. But otherwise, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that the Big 12 is playing like a good enough schedule to really make a lot of judgments yet. Iowa State dropped to the number one team in the country today uh, by about 20 points. And South Carolina shot well for the first time all season, and Iowa State did not shoot well. Iowa State's going to need to shoot a lot better if they're going to win games. It'll happen or it won't. We'll see. Uh, But beyond that, I mean, Georgia dropped Oklahoma. Oklahoma hasn't won a game yet this year, but they've only played two. West Virginia looking pretty solid against a decent Tennessee team, won in overtime. Kansas absolutely beat the snot out of Oral Roberts, who hasn't won a game all year. So it's just it's just early season stuff, you know. And the only Big 12 game that's been played so far, Iowa State beat TCU. So Iowa State sitting atop the Big 12. But um, still a lot to learn, I think, because there's been so many moves in the offseason for the Big 12. Fair enough. Definitely, definitely go read that story about Dee Dee Richards. Also, go find it so you can check out a picture of her. Her, her hair is awesome. It's like the pom-poms. I don't know a better yes. way to describe it. And it's freaking awesome. Like, it is an awesome do. So go read her story. It is a fantastic story. Do us a favor. Give us a follow on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. Of course, we tweet all sorts of stuff there. Follow us on Instagram at 1012pod, uh, where we post exclusive content, including our Wednesday Instagram lives, 7.30 Central Time every Wednesday. Don't know who the guest is this week. We will figure that out. I usually do about four hours beforehand. <laughs> um, subscribe. Rate, review, five stars, please. Uh, leave a review. It helps other people find out about the show. We are going to do our secret Santa. Uh, I have decided, uh, and I will have details about that probably starting next week, about how our listeners can participate as well. I'm getting really excited about this. This is the first yeah. I've heard, so awesome. Yeah. Well, we talked about it on here. Because well, we're also going to have Daniel and Chris are going to join us. concept. Oh, okay. Daniel and Chris are going to join us. You'll all get text messages or DMs or whatever. We're uh, finally going to have details. Yeah, we don't de- we don't do details. Vague details, but details. Yeah. So those more concrete details will come out soon. Uh, of course, give our good friends Andy Mitz and Jamie a follow on Twitter. Uh, Andy Mitz at Andy Mitz twelve. That's Mitz with two T's. And of course, Jay Styes for Jamie at J. S-T-E-Y-Z. Uh, we will be back on Thursday as we are every week to make picks. We do have four Big 12 games this week. Very exciting to talk about those on Thursday. So tune in then and uh, we'll be back later.
Social Podcast Network.